Good afternoon, everyone. This is Christine with The Hair Affair, and I welcome you to the program today, and I have a special topic for you. We're going to be talking about the expectations of social media and with any job, the expectations that you might have on yourself, but especially in this industry where you might come out of college or cosmetology school with expectations of being a great one right out of the gate. So hang tight with me and let's get this stylist Sunday on the road. Well, welcome to the show today, everybody. And on this episode, I have with me on the phone, Corinne King from San Diego, California. And Corinne is the owner of Alchemy Hair Salon in San Diego, correct? Yes. All right. Well, welcome to the program. And we're I'm excited to have you and excited to hear what you want to talk about today. Um, from where we're going here, it sounds like we're going to be talking about um, the expectations um, and the communication maybe that lacks between guests and stylists. Yes. Well, just the un- unrealistic expectations in our industry as a whole, I think, right now is a big topic that kind of sure. should be addressed. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so, too, because um, it's it's not just within the salon, but it's across social media. It's across or even what we the expectations we can put on ourselves as stylists. Totally. For sure. Yeah. What you got? So, for me? so I'll start with a little background about myself. Um, Perfect. I have been doing hair for 20 years. Um, I also have a master's in psychology and worked as a psychologist for about six of those years and came back to hair after realizing that I really love this industry and don't love any other industries. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what I wanted to discuss today was there's been this, um, I think this idea in our industry recently of, what it looks like to be a stylist and how you can make all this money, but not really working a lot behind the chair or, you know, just that idea, that perspective that social media is sending out to hairstylists. Mm-hmm. Um, so first I'll start with this. Like, so I've been in every possible position in this industry at this point from being an assistant to an educator and a salon owner. So I've seen, all of the paths along that way and been through that whole journey myself. Um, so now what I'm seeing is a major influx of newer stylists in the, in the industry with the idea that the natural sequence of their careers as they come into this industry should look like they're going straight from school to making six figures, becoming a salon owner, becoming an educator, and an influencer, which is all instilled in their brains by social media influences, Mm -hmm. all while working two days behind the chair and traveling the world. And it's just not realistic, and it's a recipe for burnout. Absolutely. I've been cutting hair now for almost nine years, and I even saw it when I was going to school. There were a lot of people that I went to school with. They would graduate school, go take state boards, and then that was it. If they even made it to a salon, maybe there was only a couple, but the the dropout, even just right after state boards was 
was large. And I don't know if it's because they had that expectation of, you know, hey, I'm going to be top dog or going to be this amazing stylist, not realizing it takes a little time to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking to my assistant about this the other day who just recently graduated. Um, and we were talking about kind of like the grass is greener perspective, you know, yes. so they do totally come out thinking that it is going to be a certain way. So even with her, she was saying that she thought she would get out of school immediately start making money, um, not have to take on multiple jobs in the meantime of building her clientele. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also kind of, you know, when we're talking about realistic expectations, that's one of them. I feel like it really hasn't ever left our industry, even though the influencers make it seem like you're just making so much money and having so much fun all the time from the get-go. Right. But I don't think that what new stylists have been shown or what they understand is that it's a lot of hard work and days where you have no clientele or you have clientele that cancel back to back and you're not making any money. So we were talking a little bit about that because she at this point is, she has two jobs now. Um, one my, as my assistant and then one at a, as a part-time um, receptionist for something else. But it's just, that's kind of the way it is. And that's the way it was for me. I had to work three part-time jobs to make a full-time income while I was building my clientele. Right. Right. Well, and you know, and I kind of wonder too, if I hate to say this, but it's, to me, it's the truth is I feel like the school's cosmetology schools might have some blame behind this because when I was in school, um, the teachers, instructors, they frowned upon you going to a place like Great Clips or Smart Style or um, Sports Clips or anything like that. And they made it sound like, you know, you graduate school, you know, you go work in a salon, build your clientele and boom, you've, you, you've got it made. And Honestly, um, the way I went about my career is that I got licensed in nails first. Um, and then when I finished that, just after a few hundred hours, I was like, well, why am I doing just this? Because I love hair more. And why didn't I just do the whole program? And so I graduated nail school and I got myself established in a salon. And then while I was working in the salon, I went back to finish out the rest of my cosmetology license. And at that time, I was in school 40 hours a week. I worked part-time doing nails. And then I also worked part-time serving tables at our golf club that we have here in, in Sheridan. And it was a lot of hard work. And when I finished all of that and graduated the rest of my um, cosmetology school, I'm not ashamed to say, but for five and a half years, I went and worked for Grey Clips and I don't regret any of it because one, it got me into the industry. I learned quickly how to do bald fades (laughs) and a lot of men's haircuts that I didn't get that experience in school because we just didn't have men that came in and I only had a few male friends that would come in and let me cut on their hair. Um, for practice before I graduated, you know, so I, I got a, I learned a ton from working there and I was, I ended up being the store manager for a few years and 
got that leadership and training behind me a little bit there. And I don't regret it. And then I went out on my own and I was, I was lucky to have quite a few of those people that I had at Great Clips follow me. But even on my own now for three years, it's taken me all of this time, three years to build my business still and having side hustles to do it too. So, right. And I'm, and I've been in this for nine years. So it, the expectations is outrageous, I think. And like I said, I, I kind of want to put some of the blame possibly on the schools. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the schools definitely do not prepare stylists for really like what the career is, but also in the skill levels that you're going to need. Right. Um, and I think that's a lot of it as well, because when you're looking at making all this money and you see these influencers on social media doing so well, and they, they create a lot of beautiful work. But what I feel like I'm constantly telling younger stylists is that no matter how much I can teach you in an accelerated assistant program, because mine is accelerated, you're still going to have to take that time to learn for yourself. It's just, you know, what you don't know, you don't know. Right. And so until you get those skills, you're not going to have the ability to build a clientele because if you don't have the skills, you're not going to keep those clients. And then it's kind of just like a vicious cycle. Absolutely. It it is. And even, even with the interpersonal skills, I see that I really, I've really been using my psychology background there with (laughs) assistants. Ironically <laughs> enough, um, because I, you know, a lot of the younger girls coming in, they don't have the life experience to talk to clients and they don't have the interpersonal skills or the empathy to discuss things with clients that might come up. And, you know, a lot of clients will want to talk about their entire lives. Yep. And so you just need those type of skills to build and keep that clientele, which I feel like a lot of, it's hard. I mean, as a young stylist, I was in that position too. I did not have those skills and I didn't get them honestly for a good five to 10 years of doing hair. Exactly. So it's not something that in this, you know, instant gratification society that we have, you just can't force something that's not there. Right. Right. And you know what I find really interesting is I did not know that about you the whole time we were in training together for um, Redkins Artist Training that you had the psychology degree to begin with. I find that interesting because as hairstylists, and you already kind of touched base with this a little bit, when we're behind the chair and our clients are basically telling us their entire life story, we become like their therapist in a way. And you, you've kind of moved from being the official psychologist therapist or, you know, whatever to Mm -hmm. being the hair therapist, (laughs) you know? So it's kind (laughs) of like you were in the right direction, but it just wasn't a hundred percent you maybe. And that's where the hair came in and then everything just collided together. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I love it. It definitely works for me. And it absolutely, I mean, psychology itself is a completely different industry from hair. But I I personally think this can be the most amazing industry in the entire world. Yeah. If you do have, like, keep those expectations realistic. Mm-hmm. And just know that the reality for the majority of stylists is hard work, long hours, 
utilizing most, if not all, free time to educate themselves and then also building content for their personal brand in order to build their career. Absolutely. And I feel like that's something that isn't always told on the backside of schools or, you know, when you're assisting. Um, I feel like a lot of my assistant program is talking about building business as well as content creation because that is part of our job now. Right. Absolutely. And I have to say for one, and I, I think I may have told this to you before, but your content creation that you do for Instagram or um, Facebook is beautiful. You do great reels. You do your story. Anything that you post has always been beautiful. And so oh, I just want to compliment you on that because you do handle that side of it very well, where I lack major on that side and I need to work on it myself. But yeah, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, you do great. I, I mean, thank you. I feel like, you know, and you and I have talked about this a little bit. It's just like really getting started and putting yourself out there and making those mistakes. Right. Because if you look back on my content, probably about four or five years ago, <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, well, you do great with it. And I'm sure that, you know, the people that you're training, you're your newbies that they're they've got a good teacher on their hands for sure. So I hope so. That is, that is my goal. Yeah. Hey, I was going to ask you. It looked like speaking of education, a couple questions. One, um, does California require you to have CE credits? No. No. Okay. And that so that's one thing like you're saying, and I I was talking with another stylist about this as well, is that when you graduate from cosmetology school, it just, it doesn't end there. Like you, as a person, you need to take on the effort yourself to take anything and everything that you can education wise, even if it's across the board with the brands, it doesn't matter if you stick to Redken or if you stick to L'Oreal or something else, but that continuing education for yourself, whether or not you need it is super important. But I was going to ask you where I was headed with this is that you got to shadow another artist here recently, didn't mm -hmm. you? How was that? Yes. It was so exciting. I mean, you know, I think that all of us in our Redken cohort are a little bit of hair nerds. <laughs> but <laughs> I get very excited about being around other artists. Yes. Um, We're with our people. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, they're all just as motivated and, and the energy is there. And just it's an amazing feeling to be in a Redken class, particularly um, but it was, it was great. Um, there was a, a Redken artist and there was also a regional educator there. And that was, I think it was really good because they gave me a lot of tips that I will need on stage and behind, like for the setup portions of it and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and also how they do their scheduling because they're still working behind the chair. Right. <laughs> but that's something that I've, I would like to know is like, how do you balance that? Yes. So, and you and I could definitely chat about that. I feel like more, but I think it depends on what days you're working on and yep. like what you're doing behind the chair. For me, I have a unique situation because I have three children and I own the salon, so I don't get to just go to work and leave. Um, so for me, I'm trying to really figure out how I'm going to still be behind the chair because that is my true passion is doing the hair. That's like my art. 
Yes. And educating, which has become more of my new, like I'm segueing into that role, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just trying to figure out that life balance that everybody is trying to find. Right, right. And mistakes are okay. Because <laughs> yeah. we're going to make those as we figure this out. I know it. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, how's your daughter doing in Alabama? She's doing great. How's mom She's, doing? I mean, I'm definitely doing better than the last time you saw me. That's good. I, um, yeah, I mean, I've honestly been so busy with everything for the Redkin stuff and work and my other kids that it's really been easy to kind of put her on the back burner and just talk to her sure. over the phone. Um, because, and plus it helps that she is doing so, um, it was such a seamless, I guess, move for her. She was just doing really well there and it wasn't a huge transition to her. Good, good. Man, yeah. education going on everywhere. That's exciting. That's going to be a good place. And I I think you said that there's family that's close by there too. So that probably puts your mind at ease. Yes, for sure. So that would me too. Well, awesome. Anything that you want to add to what we were talking about? Yeah, I think if anybody takes anything away from this, just, you know, having, just to kind of summarize, um, having realistic expectations in this industry, knowing that once you put those, that work in, that it is an amazing career. And you, I mean, you do have the possibility of making a lot of money in this industry. It's just the amount of time and effort you want to put into it. Yep. Um, and, and the I risk think, and reward. Yes, the risk and reward for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of goes with like as an industry, we need to make it okay to still be a professional um, and not push everybody to be a salon owner or an educator or a life coach because we see that so much nowadays. Right. Um, but, you know, to know like everybody has their own life path, their own journey, and not everybody has the skills or wants these positions. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone would be. Right. Um, and that we need to be okay with us as individuals and what with what makes us happy and like peace within ourselves. I even, I'll, I'll say like for the whole social media influence, I definitely fell down that rabbit hole of having FOMO from that. I thought that I needed to be an influencer and an educator and a salon owner. And I mean, all these things going on all at once, you know? Right. And I mean, I am pretty ambitious. So I think most of my goals I do strive for, I hit. But I had to take a step back and look at it. And I was like, you know, I really don't want to be an influencer. I don't want to spend most of my time in front of my phone on my camera, like, doing silly dances and like all these silly things to like get people to notice me that wasn't for me. Right. And so I think that just the younger generation and getting to know themselves and what they want out of life really needs to kind of have that insight into themselves. Right. Right. Just to be you and have your own style and your own way of doing things instead of just blending into what it all looks like out there. They're, you know, all the same. Yeah. But stand, but you'll stand out on your own by not doing the dancing or, or whatnot, but just by being you and 
and having your style and your method of method of ways of doing things and um, shining that way because I, you do great work. So I hope that people will check you out and uh, contact you because last question for you. Um, this is just yeah. kind of when I talk to people that are in the city is what I know we've we've chatted a little bit about the differences between small town salons and city salons, I guess is what I want to say. And there's there are quite a few differences. Like for me, our trends are 10 years behind everybody else. It seems like at times or my age group is between the majority is between like 40 and 80 or you probably get the young fun crowd that wants the trendy colors of today or how do you see that so even with san diego i think there's pockets of small towns um and i actually my salon is in one of those pockets a very smaller suburban pocket okay um and so and my salon is only six stylists so it's kind of like a boutique boho style fun um I personally do extensions, color corrections, and blonding specifically. So with that, I do um, attract a lot of younger clients, but also I have molded my target market, which I think is huge for stylists, like trying to build their clientele and figuring out who they want as a client. Um, But my target market is you know, typically between like 30 and 50 years old, it's the women who have salaries. They're, mm-hmm. you know, not worried about spending money in the salon. They know that extensions are a luxury item and they're willing to pay for it. Um, along with getting their high maintenance hair color, you know? Sure. And so I definitely attract those clients from surrounding areas even. Um, now when I work down by the beach in a more urban larger salon we had about 30 stylists there oh my and the clientele there even though the demographic was a very wealthy demographic most of them wanted just natural lived-in color and so you would have a client come you know once every six months or once every year and so you really had to focus on building more clientele to fill those little spots in between um And then same thing, working in a downtown salon here in San Diego, um, it's pretty much the same. There's just different, I guess, different areas with the specifications. What we do have, I think probably that's different than you, is we have three, no, we have four different colleges. And so with that being said, there's a lot of university students who look at TikTok, look at social media, and they all want that, you know, gorgeous blonde lived in hair, or they want the mermaid hair, so they want extensions. And I do have a lot of clients like that. And I think a lot of my stylists at my salon get those girls too, because they are willing to pay the money for their hair. And I don't, I don't know how they do it, honestly, because when I was in, my, in college, <laughs> you were I broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was so, going to say, <laughs> I don't know where they come up with this money. Oh, mom and dad, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Something. <because> Something. <laughs> my mom and dad were definitely not paying for that. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. No way. No way. <laughs> oh, geez. Wow. That is definitely, yeah, definitely it's, very, it's very 
uh, varied in this entire area, but there is a lot of money in San Diego. So most people are putting that out for their hair. Thank you so much for joining me today, Corinne. And where can our listeners uh, find you? Thanks for having me. Um, I am at Corinne King Hair on Instagram. And my salon is Alchemy Hair Salon sd.com you can find us there and check us out awesome and i will have all that information uh, also on my webpage too so if you didn't catch it corinne's information will be posted later today and you can look her up so if you're in san diego make sure you check her and her girls out in the salon well thanks again corinne and i hope to talk to you soon thank you you bet well there you have it That was a great episode, and I'm glad that she brought up those topics. So please join me again next week for Stylist Sunday, but also don't forget to join me during the week on Wednesdays for my other episodes because, you know, it's not always about the hair. You can find me at thehairaffairwithchristine.com. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe and follow my show. Thanks again, and have a great rest of your Sunday.